Hello guys and welcome to the home video update. It's just after 10am on the 29th of August 2022. I'm Mike and yeah, we're going to get into a new episode. This is going up first for patrons on Patreon because I do have a patron. Shout out to SW Studios Productions who is my first and currently only patron. So thank you to them for joining up there. It is going to help me out a great deal. Um, yeah, so we're going to follow the normal pattern of um, what have I been watching, going through the news, which there is quite a lot. For some reason, on Thursday last week, everyone in the world decided to release some news or an update or something leaked, which was really strange. I don't know why Thursday went absolutely insane. And then we're going to get on to the main topic, which I have picked for this week. So um, what have I been watching this last week? Um, on Saturday, I saw Beast in the Cinema. Um, Idris Elba, Shato Kopi, um, Lion Joint. Um, yeah, it's good fun. For someone who's a massive fan of Ghost in the Darkness, um, I went in with an open mind. I was expecting it to be stupid, silly fun, and it kind of was. Um, it's not challenging. It's pretty much made on kind of a budget in a way. Um, even though the Lion CGI is actually quite good, it's one of these things where it's very few sets or locations because well covid movies and all that um it makes sense um yeah men versus killer lions it does seem to be sort of riffing on the ghost in the darkness type of thing um where a lion is killing for you know revenge or sport as opposed to for food um but yeah it was fun it was pretty good um worth seeing i'd say um quite well directed the acting was pretty good. I do like Elba in most things. Um, although, weirdly, for someone who most Americans thought was American in The Wire, his American accent here does fall apart quite a bit. It's kind of strange to hear. Um, you think he'd actually be better at it because of the amount of time that he spends doing it normally. It's kind of weird. Um, but it was quite fun. Um, decent sound mix. There were some great bits, which I'm sure sound great in Atmos slash DTSX, wherever it comes out at home, where... They're trapped in a um, Land Rover Jeep sort of thing, and the lion's on top of it. Um, that will sound amazing, I'm pretty sure. And for people with decent overhead speakers, it will sound pretty claustrophobic, I should imagine. Um, on Sunday yesterday, I had a Eagles double bill. Not the Eagles as in the Hotel California band, but I watched um, Were Eagles Dare? And the Eagle has landed back to back. Where Eagles Dare came up because it was a big thing on Twitter. Um, everyone the other day was talking about it on Twitter. So I thought, hey, it's worth having a look at because I haven't seen it in a very long time. Um, I still think it holds up. I think it's massively overlong. Um, and there are way too many um, double crosses in that movie. It seems like every 10 seconds someone's double crossing someone else and someone's a double agent and someone isn't a double agent. Most of it I'd forgotten because I hadn't seen it in a while, which is kind of good because it was fresh in my mind that way. Um, but it, it's a fun little adventure yarn. It's kind of down and dirty and nasty. I did think it was weird that, especially from a British perspective, that Eagle Island is rated 15 and um, Weagle's Dare is PG and Weagle's Dare seems way more violent. It seems like every single hit has a like ketchup red blood hit on it. Um, when like Eastwood shooting people with his silenced pistol quite a lot. Um, but where Eagle has landed doesn't seem to have as much of that. It's more action towards the end of where Eagle's landed. Most of Eagle's landed is sort of set up. Um, and people know obviously um, there's a great making of book by the looks of it that someone put down to it. I need to pick up and it's called um, Broad to the Calling Danny Boy. Um, which definitely needs to, I need to have a look at because just having a quick look around the internet, it did seem like there's a bit of a disaster making the movie that Richard Burton was drinking four to five bottles of vodka a day. Um, his decline in popularity plus the decline of his marriage was going on at the same time. John Sturgis has pretty much given up. Um, he was not getting on with producers. He didn't want to make the movie. It just seemed like a complete disaster. So the fact the film came out as well as it did is pretty good. Eastwood didn't like the script, so he gave most of his lines to Burton and just did the action, um, which is kind of amazing. Um, but I think it's pretty cool. I think it's funny that I read a little quote before I read the before I watched the movie, and it makes a lot of sense and seems very really strange watching the movie after reading it. In that 
Eastwood refused to cut his hair and you look at him with his haircut and you think you're meant to be in the military and you look like you've just come off the set of um, Any Which Way You Can or Any Which Way But Loose. It's just like really strange scene with this like 70s, late 60s haircut. Um, and you're meant to be a military man. It's like, probably not. Um, but it, I think it is quite good fun. Um, like a Men on a Mission movie, which is always good. But weirdly... I actually enjoyed The Eagles Landed a lot more. I think it tells a darker story um, and does it in quite a good way. The acting's way off. I mean, Donald Pleasance is fun, um, let's say that. Um, and Robert Duval is actually trying. But I think Sutherland is the main thing with his Irish accent is just terrible. Um Michael Caine is just playing Michael Caine because it's Michael Caine. It's 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 a good little, like I say, it's a good Sunday afternoon movie. It's fun. I was watching the ITV Blu-ray, um, which is MPEG-2, one of the first ones they did. I think they did that in Bugsy Malone and Capricorn 1. Um, on the Ipcris file. I've got Ipcris file, Bugsy Malone, and um, Eagle Has Landed. They are very early, early, early Blu-rays. So it's like 5.1 audio only. Well, lossy dog digital audio. This is in mono. Um, but I put on the latest disc that I have, which I got in a charity shop, which was mixed in with some vinyl. Um, just in the middle of Bristol, some random charity shop. I was like, what well, that looks like a laser disc. It is a laser disc. Um, it's from 1981, and the colour is way richer, weirdly, than the Blu ray. Doesn't mean it's correct, obviously. Um, but the sound. I know Spencer, who was my amazing guest last week, does talk about this quite a lot on his blog, about the the dehissing and the noise reduction that goes on on soundtracks of old movies. Putting this on, the sound has more punch. I mean, this is a disc from 1982, so it's three years into lace disc existing, so it's a very early disc, and it's rotted to hell. But the picture actually stands up quite well. There's not much breakup, and the sound has way more dynamic range. Um... So way less filtered and there is hiss on the track which there probably would have been if you'd heard it like in an original cinema back in the day it came out and it's weird to hear it with such presence that I'd be tempted to I suppose Shout Factory ugh, um, have the best version on Blu-ray because it's only really those two that have released it I think um, I'd have to have a proper look into it and they'd probably have the better picture because it's a newer you know transfer of probably the same master but not an mpeg2 and i'm not an mpeg2 hater i think mpeg2 done well is fine and i didn't notice massive amounts of macro blocking apart from a few explosions in this so maybe that with the lace disc audio um i don't know if it's a better lace disc track this is a very early disc um and probably won't hold up to some of them but maybe being an earlier disc um is a good thing because it is more direct to the source and less mess with. But yeah, I thought it was a fun little sort of Sunday afternoon thing. And I topped that off with, um, because my Eastwood box set was already out for a regal stare, um, A Perfect World, which I hadn't seen since VHS. It was my brother's favourite Costner and Eastwood movies. Um, he thinks it's, I think he probably thinks it's the best Eastwood movie, um, especially directed. And I haven't seen it since it came out. And I remember liking it then. Um, so I thought, hey, I'll watch it again. And yeah, it, it stands up. I mean, the transfer seems kind of old, but that's good because it seems like a dupey print in a way, which is kind of cool. Um, and it's a good hard-hitting little film. It doesn't really do anything special, but it lets the acting breathe. It doesn't tell a story that's, you know, anything wild or amazing, but it is kind of... Yeah, it, it goes into, like the acting and the the spectacle of letting Costner breathe in his acting and Laura Dern I completely forgot was in it as well um Eastwood I don't think does much which is kind of refreshing for his movies because a lot of his movies especially later on were mostly about him doing acting things because it's all about Eastwood and not much else um but I thought I thought it's really cool um I also on Saturday had a little 
sort of action thing. I wanted to watch something Saturday nighty, so I stuck with my 90s theme of the last couple of weeks and watched Fled. Um, weirdly, I hadn't seen this movie for a long time. I think I own it on DVD. It's one of the first DVDs I bought. And I used to rent it on VHS all the time. Um, Stephen Baldwin and Lawrence Fishburne. And it actually really stands up as a cheesy 90s action movie. Like most 90s movies, as I've said before, it has a pretty good sound mix. Um, it's quite aggressive in the way it's handled. I think people went hard on Dolby Digital when it first came out and really pushed the format and really did something interesting with sound mixing. But it's a good little throwaway action movie. It's a good little Saturday night flick. Um, in that same vein, I watched the, obviously not 90s, but much later, Killer Elite. Now... This is the Jason Statham, Rob De Niro movie, not to be confused with, you know, the actual Killer Elite, um, which most people think this is a remake. It's not a remake. It's based on the Fingerman, which is a um, Randolph Fiennes bullshit novel that is mostly made up and a lot of people are very angry about. Um, it's a cool little action thriller that's kind of overlooked. It's not good. I'm not going to say it's a great movie or, you know, Hey, look, it's got gunfights, Robert De Niro, automatically it's heat. It's not that type of film. But I think there was a point there with Statham where he was actually making films that I kind of enjoyed. There was um, Hummingbird, which also has a different name. I can't remember what else it's called. It's got two different names, that film. And um, oh, what was the other film he did? He did around the same time. Um, let's have a look. Hummingbird... This is great content. Watch while Mike Googles something. Um, Hummingbird 2013 film. Uh, Redemption, it's also known as. Um, I thought that was pretty okay. Um, there were some kind of cool, interesting films that he was making around that time. Um, where was the other one? Let's have a look. Yeah, Blitz was pretty good. Killer Elite, I liked. Safe, that was the one I really liked. Um, that was kind of a cool little flick. Um, what else did that guy direct? Nothing of interest. Um, I remember the Titans. That was all right. <laughs> um, and he wrote From Dust Till Dawn to Texas Plot Money. Um Oh, and weirdly, he wrote... Okay, we'll come back to that. That's strange. I didn't even know that was a connection, but we'll leave that as it is for our main topic, which I'm not going to spoil straight yet. Um, but yeah, I thought The Killer Elite was... Not The Killer Elite, sorry, Killer Elite, um, two different films, um, was pretty fun and held up quite well. Um, I also watched another thriller the next few days, which is the Paul Haggis, Russell Crowe, um, Elizabeth Banks movie. Weirdly, I'd confuse the plot of this with something else, and I'm trying to figure out what it is. I'm going to have to watch the other movies that I confused it with. So it's either confused with um, Edge of Darkness, which was obviously the Martin Campbell BBC TV show that later became the Martin Campbell um, Mel Gibson movie. And um, maybe Walk Amongst the Tombstones. The I quite rate that movie. Um, Liam Neeson flick. Weirdly... I've seen to confuse the this movie with something else, and I can't figure out what it was, whether it's prisoners or something else, because it's all about, you know, people going to prison or people, like, kids being... I, for some reason, had an idea like a kid had been kidnapped in this, but that's not what it's about. It's Elizabeth Banks gets arrested for murder. Did she or didn't she do it? Russell Crowe tries to break her out of prison. Um, it's a fun little thriller, and I really can't figure out what the hell I thought that movie was. Because um, in my head, when I was sitting there watching it, I was sort of half watching it. It was one of those things I just put on just because I thought, hey, I'm going to watch this little flick because I found it in my Blu-ray stack. I thought, oh, I haven't watched that in ages. I'll watch this because I thought I knew what it was. And I was sitting there with my tablet out um, writing something. Um, no, my laptop out, sorry, writing something, writing a review. And I was thinking... Yeah, uh, this is going quite well. It's okay directed. Paul Haggis, you know, he's been hit or miss. And I was like, wait, this isn't the plot at all. I thought this was a completely different movie, and I'm not sure quite why. So I've got confused somewhere, and I can't figure out what the hell it was. Um, so not watched a huge amount this week. I started watching Lockout last night. Um, the 
not Escape from New York, but obviously Escape from New York and kind of, yeah, strange that um, John Carpenter sued for that, um, for such a silly little inconsequential Luke Besson-produced movie. Um, I like a lot of that movie. I don't think it's good by any stretch of imagination. The CG at the beginning on the bike is some of the worst CG in a modern movie that I've ever seen. But it's um, fun. I don't. I stopped watching because it's getting quite late. And it's quite a loud movie, especially on my system. So I was just like, I'm not going to piss off the neighbours. I'm going to knock it off. And then it turns out that not only last night did I try to go to sleep while some, it sounded Greek, party was going on in someone's back, back garden that was extremely loud. Um, I also had Simply Red just down the road playing a concert. So I had those both battling to trying to keep me awake, apparently, because it was extremely loud. So that's all I've watched at the moment um, for this last week. So we'll go on to the news. There is quite a lot of news. I know I didn't do news last week because um, Spencer and I ran for about, I think we talked in the end for about six hours, maybe, which is kind of insane. Um, absolutely worth it. Absolutely great. I really enjoyed it. And from the feedback, everyone seems to have enjoyed it, which was great. Um it definitely did more for my profile than it did for his profile um, because I had a lot of people come to me through him rather than the other way around, um, which is fantastic. Um, and I thank him for that because not only did I enjoy it, but it was fantastic to actually spend the time talking to him. Um, really enjoyed it. So we didn't really talk about it, but... I'll go over a few little bits and bobs. So, for example, um, we have the announcement, which we touched on last week, of um, Reservoir Dogs and Pulp Fiction coming out. Uh, one from Lionsgate, one from Paramount, which is fine. Reservoir Dogs desperately in need of a new transfer. Um, well, a new master entirely, because the master is horrible. Milky Blacks, um, which I had in the cinema for... Um, beast absolutely terrible like really gray blacks um just really really shocking like presentation it looked terrible which i was quite surprised at. i thought it looked a lot better uh but it could be i have so much caffeine i'm still yawning it could be from um that local cinema or it could be for something else i'm not entirely sure but um yeah it just it looked like crap um yeah, so Reservoir Dogs could do with a new master. I don't like the current Blu-ray master for Pulp Fiction. It seems a bit managed and a little bit artificial is probably the way to put it. I'm not quite sure how best to put it, but it, I never really liked it. Um, so those two are coming, which is great. Um, Scream Factory have gone into detail on Army of Darkness. Now, I don't like Scream or Shout. I've been on the record about this for many times. Their quality control is terrible, but... Because it's Evil Dead, I had to put a pre-order in. I bought the cheaper Army of Darkness Deluxe Edition, not the um, Steelbook. The Steelbook is too expensive. I like the art, actually, for once, but I just can't. I can't spend that much money on Shout when hopefully someone else will put out a better 4K. Hopefully Studio Canal will put out a decent 4K of it. Or someone else, MGM, um, through whoever, probably Universal. Um, so disc one has the 4k restoration of the camp from the camera negative, which they've said before and lied about. So we'll see, but it's approved by Sam Raimi and Bill Pope, which is great. Um, but it's the only theatrical cut will be in 4k. So that's on the 4k disc and a Blu-ray as well. Um, disc three is direct cut and disc four is international cut. There is no TV cut on this, which is a shame because it's fun but i've got multiple copies of that anyway um it's a shame it's only one cut and they couldn't get the rights or do the work to sort of splice in some extra stuff um a little bit of a shame but not the worst thing in the world i mean i'm not gonna cry about it but i just hope the master actually looks good and there are no errors like there were on the blu-ray they put out um It'd be good to see some see it in 4K. Um, I've seen it 35mm very recently and it looks amazing. So I'll be able to directly compare. The colours on the 35mm are really rich and it's never looked like that at home. So hopefully they're able to follow that up. 
Um, Warner Brothers are putting out Casablanca. It was a matter of time. Um, they've, they rem- I think it scanned it at 6K or 8K a very long time ago. I don't know if this is a new restoration. Um, it would be good to see it actually in 4K and HDR, because I think HDR can do... Oh, stop yawning. Can do quite a bit with black and white, and it'd be quite good to see it. Um, it'd be nice to see what they do with it. Um, Warner Brothers, I have a hit or miss thing, especially since they don't include original audio quite a bit. So if this comes with a weird 5.1 or Atmos mix, I'll be really, really disappointed. It's kind of a stupid thing. Um, I see that it's listed as having... Um, mono so hopefully it is mono um i'm not holding my breath i'm sure the cover art will be terrible as well because all the one warner brothers stuff on 4k has been shocking for cover art for some weird reason um kino Lobo are releasing brick which is great um it will make people cry because the hdr transfer won't be like popping like mad because ryan johnson does not like that which makes me very happy because I love when people cry about things like that. Um, it is a fantastic film. I love everything Ryan Johnson ever did. So I'm quite happy that he's putting out, that I'm Kino putting out this film. It's had a weird sort of trajectory on home video. I've got the UK releases, which I believe are 1080i and not great. Um, they're fine for what they are. Um, but they're not perfect, so it'll be nice to see like a decent uh, release of that. Um, Warner, again, with weird cover art, but I actually don't mind it. National Lampoon's Christmas Vacation from the director of The Avengers, obviously. Um, yeah, uh, I think it'll probably be the same master that was on the remastered Blu-ray, just actually in 4K for once. Um, I'm sure it'll just be in 5.1 instead of, um, what do you call it, um, like Dolby Stereo. It'll be a pain in the ass, but Warner Brothers is Warner Brothers. The cover, it's okay. It's not one of their worst covers in the world, but it'd be nice to have a like poster art on the reverse. If they're going to do these things, why don't they just put the poster art on the reverse like the um, boutiques do? That'll at least be give people options. Again, Yawn from Shout Factory, which is a shame. Hopefully someone else has put it out somewhere else. The Company Wolves, um, which I really like. My brother absolutely loves this movie. Um absolutely shocking cover art as per usual from them um hopefully there's no issues with it hopefully the original audio is in and not a down mix like they like to do um fingers crossed it actually is a decent transfer and decent master i bloody hope so because at the moment i have no faith in most of these boutique people um because they don't seem to be putting out things with any Quality control. I know the pandemic was tough on these companies, especially the smaller companies, but I think it's just a real shame that they're not bothering, you know, really going in on it. Um, Vista Vision, Vision, sorry, slash Imprint um, have announced some really, really nice additions. I actually bought one of their discs. Um, it came yesterday. Um, I bought things to do with Denver When You're Dead, which is one of my favorite top 10 movies of all time i love scott rosenberg's script in that movie i think it's fantastic um but the problem is importing those from australia is really expensive um in the uk um so i was able to find it reasonably cheap somewhere and picked it up but i do want their after dark neo-noir cinema collection too that they've announced because my god it is a fantastic lineup um we've got blue still internal affairs Crimson Rivers, The Way of the Gun, The Yards, and Narc. Now, that is a hell of a lineup. Imprint, again, have been hit and miss with some of their quality. I think they are pretty good. They're better than most. This is only um, 1,500 copies, so I'm sure it'll sell out. It is quite expensive, but not, you know, abusively expensive. There are new extras on all these, which are fantastic. Um, But most of them are existing HD Masters by looks of it, which is a bit of a shame. Um, Crimson Rivers is cool to see. Um, 
and where the gun i don't think where the gun's been released outside of um america in hd so it'll be really good to pick up on you know a decent release um the yards i think is the one that sticks out here is the one i don't like as much um it's okay but it it doesn't do anything that makes me you know really stand out compared to the rest of them it's it's pretty good james gray is an okay director i think he's done some really good things obviously i don't think it's quite up to level of something like narc um i know that crimson rivers people either love or hate i really quite like crimson rivers i think it's got one some of the best character introductions um that you can get in um get in a movie i think vince cassell has this weird thing for quite a few of his movies um where he gets introduced in like a cool way to hip-hop um with a cool camera move and that's one of them there's a um, directed by roland joffey um box set with killing fields and mission fat man and little boy and city joy um all great films um i have the killing fields on blu-ray i think it's fantastic the mission i need to pick up at some point but I don't think I'll go in for that box set. It's good to see them all together, and it is a really good box set with some really great films. Um, School Ties, weird choice by them. It's an okay movie. I've never really loved it. I think it's pretty good. Um, cast that was on the verge of, like, superstardom, but I think it was great. Um, the Fabulous Stains is great, and I'm, it's pretty cool that they're putting out. Um, it's one of these things I wouldn't thought they'd, you know, appear on like a decent like collection, collects edition, but it's cool to put out. Um, City of God, um, great movie. Um, something I don't really want to watch on a huge amount um, of rewatches because it is very, very dark. Um, but I'm glad I've seen it and I think it is great. Distant Thunder, a film I haven't seen in a very, 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 very long time. Um, with John Lithgow and Ralph Macchio. It's it's pretty cool. Um, but it's, um, again, another weird choice by them. But it, it is kind of cool that, um, like, they are putting time and effort into these things. I mean, for example, The Yards, which I think is probably the worst film in that neo-noir box set. Um, they actually put some effort into it because there are like two versions that is director's cut and the theatrical version um there are new extras on it and it's got the original aspect ratio which um it didn't have on think the other blu-rays and dvds i'm pretty sure it was zoomed in correct me if i'm wrong because i have no idea about the movie i think it's okay like i said it's it's fine um Arrow as well, going to boutique things. This was all on the same day, it seemed, pretty much. It's like one Thursday or Friday, like everything got announced. It was really strange. Um, Arrow have announced their new slate for their um, releases in November. We've got The Wolf of Wall Street, Martin Scorsese's flick. Um, this was teased ages ago through a postcard in one of their releases, which I got, I think. Um, okay, fine. I like the movie. It's great. I've already got it on Blu-ray. The 4K release from, I think, Universal in the US or Paramount wasn't very good. Um, it's a weird choice in some of the, yeah, some of the picture issues. I, I didn't fall in love with that transfer from what I saw of it. I mean, I'll see what Arrow does with it. It's probably going to be the same master, just better in code, because probably Fidelity Motion encoded it. Um, it's got some decent extras, which is great. It's got new extras. Um, I don't think I'll pick it up until they release a normal version. I don't need the tat and the extra bits and bobs that comes with it. I mean, it, it's fine. Um, I do like the movie, but it's not something I'm going to go mad for. Um, they're also releasing Audrey Rose, um, Rob Rice film, that I haven't seen in a very, very long time. But it's... Um, I remember being quite creepy. Um, it's got... Um, a brand new scan with the original mono audio. Um, I'd probably watch it again. It's not something I'd get like day one. It's something I'd pick up in a um, like a sale or something because it is. I remember it being quite creepy. Incredible but true. Um, a film I've never seen. A film where I talk uh, last last week or week before about um, my love of French films. I've never seen it. Um, his work has passed me by. Quentin. I'm not even going to remotely pronounce his name the guy directed rubber and deerskin um 
I'll, I'll, I'll see about that. I'm not in a huge thing about it. Um, Short Scope Volume 2. I love that they're doing these um, flicks in massive box sets. It's really cool. Um, it's not something I've put money into just because they're quite expensive. And the um, Shaw Brothers stuff, I think, is kind of neat. But it's not something that's really grabbed me. I used to watch like stuff like that on VHS all the time or like late night on Channel 4 or whoever else was showing these like these cool martial arts movies. The one that I am going in for and I've pre-ordered, um, which will make the Arrow faithful, especially the ones on Facebook that I saw crying about it, um, really upset, is Robin Hood, Prince of Thieves. Because I like Kevin Reynolds and Kevin Costner together. I think they made some great flicks. Um I saw this in the cinema with um, my brother and my grandmother, and she hated it because she was an Errol Flynn fan. I loved it from then, and so did my brother. Um, I've got the latest disc. I bought the original DVD, the VHS. I bought the extended edition, which isn't the full director's cut because there's some issues with it, and it was way darker than that even. I know that this was one of the first times that Costner and um, Reynolds fully fell out where Costner was so annoyed that he was being upstaged by Alan Rickman. So he went and cut most of Alan Rickman's stuff out, um, which happened quite a lot. Um, but even in saying that, the theatrical cut has disappeared for a long time. And this is something that I have a real issue with. Even if the theatrical cut wasn't something the director wanted or was, you know, something else, I don't think they should disappear forever. Um, I think rewriting history of things like this is really, 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 really dangerous because you should have all versions of stuff. I think the Blade Runner box set was the right way to do this in that you got all versions, you had a chance to see all these different versions, which is what it should be. Um, so you have a new 4K rest restoration of theatrical and extended cuts from the original negatives, which is fantastic. That's what I want to see. I know Arrow have had the rights to this for quite a while. They've also got Last of the Mohicans, so expect that in a lovely box set, and hopefully both versions, and hopefully no horrible Michael Mann revisionism. Um, and it's got the original, thank God, stereo and 5.1. I'm guessing the 5.1 is from the 70mm blow-ups, which I assume it has. Um, let's have a look. Prince of Thieves... Um, I really, really like Prince of Thieves. I think it's, yeah, all right. He doesn't speak in a, you know, an accent that you could ever remotely call um, English. Um, same with Michael Wincott. Michael Wincott's just being Michael Wincott and it's great. But it is, it's just so stupid that it works. And I kind of like that it works. I don't think it's very good. But it's very enjoyable if, you know, it's it's it was one of the biggest box office draws of that year. Um, only really beaten by Terminator 2 and I think it was Beauty and the Beast. Um, so it's not like, um, you know, they had Arrow was picking something obscure or going, hey, Blockbuster. There's a reason for releasing this because this is what makes money for these um, boutique things and Kevin Reynolds is a great director I think this actually has some merit um, I've just ordered the normal deluxe edition not the steelbook because the extra price isn't worth it when I think the art on the deluxe edition is better um, I think it was Paul Shipper um, it has got um, a ton of extras most of them aren't that new some of them are which is great there's a Pierce Brosnan um, documentary that's been on a few other releases. Um, weirdly, the Brian Adams performance at Slane Castle is a live performance and not the video. So there must be a rights issue because the original VHS had the video before the film. And the latest disc link has it as well. Um, but this doesn't, which is really strange. So there must be a rights issue with it. Um, there's no new... Um, audio commentaries which is a shame i wish there was something sort of looking back on it a bit more there are commentaries on it but there's nothing new there's a new multi-part making of which is fantastic which i will absolutely destroy 
Um, I will watch that just from beginning to end because hopefully it's a bit warts and all, and I'd love to see something like that. Um, but I'd love to see the full uncut version um, because it's... I mean, the extended version is 155 minutes as it is, which is pretty long. Um, but it was way darker in the way it was filmed. It was cut in the UK for quite a while. So it's good that that's uncut now. But it's also... I wish we saw a lot more of the actual film that was shot. But I don't think we ever will. Um, and lastly, on the news roundup, we have Highlander. Um, it touched on a little bit last week and the week before. I think my first episode, I think I talked about Highlander because it was still but leaked out from Eagle. So Eagle are putting it out in Italy, but also Studio Canal putting it out in the UK. Um, it has um, a new 56-minute documentary on it. Um, it has feature on the soundtrack, uh, interview with the photographer David James, um, Clancy Brown interview, a new um, audio commentary with an author, John Melville, um, and then the original audio commentary, including the one with um, the producers, which I think was only on the Immortal Edition DVD, correct me if I'm wrong, but it's kind of cool to see that all together. Um, I've ordered the Collect Edition and the Steelbook because I quite like the art on that. I think that was, again, Paul Shipper. I seem to be a bit of a simp for Paul Shipper at the moment. I think his stuff is actually quite good. Um, but, yeah, it was. it's kind of cool that these films are getting their due. These, I mean, Highlander was always a cult film. It was always that type of film that was always a little bit, you know, the cool kids knew what Highlander was. Well, cool, quote, unquote. But, yeah, it's cool to see these films come out in a decent new versions with some actual lavish attention paid to them. Um, hopefully Studio Canal and the fact that Fidelity in Motion retweeted the still book means that Fidelity in Motion are encoding this because otherwise it would be better to go for the Eagle version because they are normally better than encoding than Studio Canal. But it's good that at least they've got the option out there. Um, Hopefully we get screenshots or pictures or reviews before the pre-order ship. So I'd be able to cancel and get the Eagle version if not. Because I don't really want to buy it three times. I'm already buying it twice because I'm just a Highlander fanboy. So yeah, that's um, a lot of news. Um, it's been a big news week, which is good. Because that means the format's thriving. That means physical media isn't dying. And that's what this whole podcast is about. Um, and... Next, we're going to go on to the main topic of this week. Now, I was thinking about topics for quite a while um, over the last week of ideas of, hey, maybe I could talk about this, maybe I could talk about that, or, oh, I don't know, maybe this, maybe that. But I was listening to another podcast. I started this podcast because I listened to a lot of podcasts. Um, I was listening to the Film Feast podcast, which I got into because that Tony Scott guy on Twitter tweeted about it um and he was saying about uh, he was appearing on it on their unscottable series which is them talking about tony scott and work through his movies which is something i've always wanted to do because he is my favorite director um so i won't do it on this podcast yet because i will want to talk about tony scott more um but i'm going to let their thing breathe for a bit because it's actually a really good series i don't agree with everyone's thoughts on their stuff um but i don't tony scott made a bad film but you could rate his stuff as you like one better than the other which is how i do it but i am a fanboy so i get that but listening to their podcast on deja vu which i think is probably one of his best films it is a really well made really well directed well written film um and a quite a bit more restrained as well um, talking about Jim Caviezel um, and how he plays a really good psycho because, well, he is a psychopath in real life, obviously. Um, but yeah, it's it made me think of two things. So when I saw that movie in the cinema, I sat down and thought, oh my God, he'd make a really good Punisher. Like he was literally playing the Punisher apart from the fact he had like really 
bad motives for his killing. It's just the look and the feel and the attitude that he had reminded me of the Punisher, the Marvel Comics character. So I was like, hey, that's really cool. What happens if, you know, you get him to play Frank Castle in something? That would be really neat to see. Um, and it reminded me of the Purge election year where Frank Grillo basically plays the Punisher. And I was like, oh my God, Frank Grillo would make an amazing Punisher. That's really cool. And that made me think about the Punisher on film and TV. So the Punisher, the most recent thing we've got to see of the Punisher is obviously the John Barenthal um, Marvel Netflix TV show, which I haven't finished watching. Um, I really need to get through that. But the problem is now it's gone on to Disney Plus. It isn't in 4K anymore like it was on Netflix, which is a bit of a shame. Um, but I quite liked his attitude and the way he was in Daredevil. So I did start watching the actual TV show, but didn't really get through it. Um, before that, obviously, we had the... Um, oh going to completely blank on his name now um ray stevenson punisher warzone which i think is the best punisher film um i know a lot of people think it's stupid or think it's crap but i think lexi alexander did a good job with that i think it's properly r-rated properly punisher and the beginning of that with the mafia um not um table like the diner dinner scene is fantastic really lights up the flare i think that's badass um it's got issues, yes, but I think it's the most successful film version of The Punisher. You had Tom Jane, who did the Dirty Laundry short, which people think is the best version of The Punisher in that short. Yeah, it's pretty good. Um, I think it's the best thing Tom Jane did with it, because the Tom Jane movie with John Travolta, I don't love. Um, I liked it at the time. I like it fine now. Um, the theatrical version, not the extended version. I don't like the extended version with a silly like, comic book like, inserts and shit not a huge fan of that it's okay but it's it's not great um i like kevin ash in it i think he's fantastic um the fact that he really got stabbed is brilliant and that fight's fun i think it's that's cool and there's some moments in that film that i like but i don't think it really works for me i have yawning again i don't know why i keep it's whenever i talk i think um yeah it's it's got its moments but it's just not perfect. But what I wanted to focus on is um, Mark Goldblatt's um, Punisher from 1989 with Dolph Lundgren. Because I realized when I was thinking about all these other people that sort of played the Punisher, in that I quite liked this when it first came out. And talking earlier about Safe That Jason Stafer movie, it turns out that the writer of that I'm going to ruin his name. Um, Boaz Yakin. Um, he wrote The Punisher as his first movie. Um, he also wrote um, The Rookie with Scott Spiegel. Um, the Clint Eastwood film that isn't a Dirty Harry film, but is kind of a Dirty Harry film without Dirty Harry being in the name. Um, so for Dustal Dawn 2, um, Dirty Dancing, Havana Nights, oh dear. Prince of Persia, Sands of Time, Now You See Me. Um yeah, he also wrote Harder They Fall, which is, you know, quite well regarded. I need to watch that movie, actually. Yeah, but that's really weird that, you know, he wrote The Rookie and The Punisher. And they also wrote Safe. Um, I've got to find my copy of Safe. I can't find it. I think it's in storage somewhere. Um, but yeah, I think that Mark Goldblatt's version of The Punisher is actually pretty good. I can remember watching it on VHS a lot. It's one of those films that's kind of grimy and gritty and low budget enough that it feels like a something that should have been on vhs from the start and you should always watch it on vhs it's got that grimy sort of feel to it and i realized how many copies of this i owned um i don't own the latest disc which i should really try and find but um the first thing i picked up i think was the artisan dvd which i imported to the uk which i've got in my hands right now um which had, you know, special features of 16 by 9 widescreen. Woo, Dolby Digital Surround. Woo, Digitally Mastered. Woo, Interactive Menus. Woo, Scene Access. You know, that kind of shit. It's got cast and crew information, a theatrical trailer, which is good because it should have a theatrical trailer on it. Um, this is the 19-2-minute theatrical version um, and nothing else. This was out of print for quite a while and the best way to see it, I seem to remember, because I remember buying it and a lot of people saying, be careful, because there are a lot of um, pirated versions out there, and you might get a bootleg. 
I got lucky. Um, I think I bought it off eBay, like used, because it was quite hard to find for quite a while, and I really wanted to watch it again in widescreen. So that was like the only way to see it. Um, I then upgraded um, to the Anchor Bay Blu-ray, which came out in the UK through um, Hollywood Classics and 20th Century Fox, which is strange that 20th Century Fox released The Punisher for all their, you know, the stuff they own from Marvel. It is a weird movie, this. It's got a very weird sort of life that it had to it. Um, it, I don't think it did that well. Um, New World released it, who obviously released a lot of schlock. It didn't get a wide theatrical release in the US, I seem to remember. It was, um, was it when New World was going bust? I think it was around then, because New World sort of tanked pretty hard. Um, it's a shame that, you know, they couldn't do the sequel they planned, and, you know, they couldn't do anything big with it because it it seemed really strange because it was like I think it was Christophe Lambert was going to be in it or something like that originally and then Dolph took the party which is Dolph actually plays quite a good Punisher I think he's a better actor than most people give him credit for he's not really acting here obviously um, and I love that all these discs that were in front of me have got the same sort of picture of Dolph with the bike from the photo shoot except on this they've um like photoshopped a Punisher logo onto his shirt, which is just like really, really strange just to try and make it. Hey, look, it's Marvel because we haven't got the Marvel logo anywhere on here. It does say the avenging angel of Marvel Comics fame comes brilliant to life in this action-packed adventure. Oh, sorry, action-adventure thriller because that's what it is. It's not that. Um, this has zero extras. For a film that came, for a disc that came out in 2013, it's amazing that it's 85 minutes long, so theatrical cut. 5.1 audio, so okay, um, a quote-unquote upgrade because it's uncompressed. However, the um, Anchor Bay DVD is 5.1 as well. I'm pretty sure. Um, so Artisan DVD. Um, it wasn't 5.1 originally, obviously. This didn't have a massive release, so it would have just been stereo. Um, it's 1.78 to 1 anamorphic. So, okay, fine. Um, 1.85 to 1 was the original ratio, so it's been cropped down like most Blu-rays are. I can live with that. All right, fine. But it's 1080i. So in 2013, Fox released a 1080i disc. Which is really, really strange. Um, it's released through Anchor Bay, Hollywood Classics, and 20th Century Fox. It's a completely bare bones disc. It's 1080i, and it was a way to get it in HD for me, which is fine. Now, there was work print that turned up for quite a while from I think Mark Goldblatt's own like VHS or Beta tape copy, which is the only way you could see it. It was cut as well, um, so it's been cut for quite a while. Um, which is, you know, um, th this happens because especially in the eighties and nineties, you know, a lot of violent stuff was cut from the MPAA or especially from the BBFC. So there are a lot of versions, like the German version was cut even more looking into this now. Um, yeah, it's a work printed film contains over 15 minutes of extra footage which is cool. Um, the UK cinema and video versions were cut violence, including bloody knife wounds, throat stabbings, an ear clap, neck break, hand severing, and shots of guns in a man's mouth. Okay. Um, so yeah, there, there's a lot of like stuff cut from it. But also, finding the uncut version of it, the unrated version, was very, very hard to find. Because... You could never see the uncut version anywhere. It was literally cut in every version, like pretty much everywhere worldwide, I'm pretty sure. Except for France had the uncut theatrical unrated version. Um, and that's what Koch Media found on the next Blu-ray that I had and the last one that I bought, which is their Stillbook 2-disc edition, which comes with the DVD and the Blu-ray. Um it is actually in 1080p, which is fantastic. So an already an upgrade from the Fox version. This is also put out by Hollywood Classics. 
Um, and yeah, it actually is the better version. So it's got the unrated 89 minute cut. So it isn't the work print. It is just the unrated version. But they do have the proper unrated version scanned from the actual print. And it looks pretty good, actually. It's scanned at 2K. Um, but they took the unrated parts and put it in the existing R-rated HD master. So it's properly unrated. So um, it's an HD from beginning to end. Um, the old versions that were about had, I think it was the Laserdisc um, upscaled, which is, you know, really, it's okay. I mean, I've got a few discs that do that. Like, um, oh, what is it? Um, Fortress, the Christophe Lambert, um, Stuart Gordon film. Is it Stuart Gordon? I think it's Stuart Gordon. Um, which has the unrated version of the Powerlays disc with the footage shoved in, which is great because it's unrated now. Um, so it does have extra features as well. It has got an audio commentary from director Mark Goldblatt. It has a work print cut, which I think is only on the DVD, if I can remember correctly um it's got a gag reel behind the scenes gag reel um a trailer and a poster and stills gallery so it's it's pretty great um it has um a 2.0 audio so i think it's either mono or stereo i can't remember i have to watch this again and figure out if it is i'm just looking around the interwebs now to see if i can figure out what it is but it looks like it's just lossy um, audio. Oh, no, it's just DTS Master HD. So it's got DTS Master HD audio, um, which is great because then it's uncompressed mono slash, you know, Dolby surround. Um, and it made me think, you know, what else do you want from a Punisher movie? You know, I mean, I don't think Marvel are going to go forward because the R-rated thing. They might do TV. Again, I don't think it would be R-rated. Um Obviously, they've got the new Daredevil show coming up, and that's not going to be R-rated like the Netflix stuff was. But I think I want something more like, you know, that sort of gritty, grimy, dirty, non-slick version of The Punisher. I think that the Thomas Jane one pushed it a little bit too far into comedy. As much as I liked that, it's okay. Um, the Ray Stevenson obviously went all the way into comedy and just absurdist stuff, which is fine because Lexi Alexander made a comic book movie, but it's not really the Punisher as I remember the Punisher. Um, I want something that is really, really, you know, hardcore, um, and grimy and gritty just like the 89 Mark Goldblatt version. Um, I kind of wish that Mark Goldblatt had, you know, a better career than maybe he he did have. Um, because it's it's kind of a shame that he didn't really take off in the way that he did as a director um because he's also an editor and actually a very good editor um it it's kind of weird that he didn't do as much in the way of direction because he only directed three film uh two films rather he directed dead heat which um i've got the 88 films version of um i need to rewatch that actually i got the, again another new world schlocky picture um, an episode of Eerie, Indi in Eerie Indiana, which I love that show. If you haven't seen that show, I've got the DVD box set. Like, it's such a good show. But as an editor, he was like James Cameron's go-to editor for a little bit. Um, even in tangential stuff. So he edited The Terminator, um, Rabbit First Bird Part 2, which obviously Cameron wrote. Um, he also did The Howling, you know, which is a great film. Uh, Terminator 2, Predator 2. You know, this guy was like the go-to editor, True Lies, Starship Troopers, Armageddon, um, 2018's Death Wish. Ooh, dear. That was the last film he edited. Great. Chappie. You know, for the fact that he's doing these, like, big action films, Bad Boys 2, that's a film edited within an inch of its bloody life, isn't it? Um, so working with Michael Bay a bit as well, Pearl Harbor. So he was obviously Brockheimer-y because Armageddon, 
Pearl Harbor, Bad Company. God, Bad Company, that Chris Rock film. Jesus. Super Mario Brothers, Nightbreed, Jumpin' Jack Flash. Yeah, he was a go-to editor for quite a long time. So it's kind of a shame that he didn't do more in the way of direction, didn't do something else. But it's nice to see him do something different. And I'd like to see, you know, someone serious take on something like The Punisher. So someone you'd see as a serious director of like hardcore films, maybe someone like Joe Carnahan, you know, maybe someone like that, you know, in the style of Narc. I mean, not quite as silly as his 18 film, and I quite like his 18 film. I know a lot of people didn't like it, but I quite like his 18 movie. Um, something gritty like, you know, Narc, um, aforementioned film, or someone like a Catherine Bigelow, you know, someone who does something gritty and down to earth and grimy and nasty, and that's what The Punisher should be, and that's why I kind of like the Mark Goldblatt version, because it is gritty and down to earth and nasty and you know, that sort of griminess. It's not like Robocop, um, which I think I've said before on an episode where it's like you want to have a shower afterwards because the violence is so like, oh dear. This is not I'm, you know, saying the violence is like upsetting me or anything. I just think it's like that grimy, nasty 80s violence that you don't really get anymore. You get more of a sanitized violence in these things now where it's all CGI squibs and stuff because you don't get squibs anymore Um, because they're expensive and they're dangerous so you know fair enough because you know you don't want people to get hurt on your sets i get that that's absolutely something that shouldn't happen but also i think it's also a case of the art of these um special effects are getting harder and harder to pull off and people aren't around who do these things anymore you know there aren't the people around who are able to produce these effects because people don't tend to do them anymore. People don't do the special effects in that way. You know, there aren't people in the world who do the, you know, the full practical effects, unfortunately, because that's just not something that happens anymore. The way that films are made have changed. So it is all like CG squibs and stuff like that and blood hits. And it is a shame but I get it for the safety. If you look at things like Russ with Alec Baldwin and things like this, I don't think Alec Baldwin's going to come back from that. And obviously, someone died unnecessarily. No one should die making a movie. That shouldn't be a thing that is any, in anyone's mind. So a stuntman shouldn't die. People shouldn't get hurt. Safety should be the priority. It's entertainment at the end of the day. No one should hurt making a, be hurt making a movie, especially not lose their life. Accidents happen. I get that. But it's just a shame that We won't get films like that anymore because the way films have been made have changed. And that's not a bad thing because people are safer and we want people to be safer. We want people to be better off. However, I think that the skill of making these gritty, grimy things, if you look at like the horror genre, so something like The Evil Dead or... um, Nightmare on Elm Street always, to me, should be seen like a really bad VHS that you know obscures the effects and is gritty and grimy and it loses its oh you it again loses its tracking from here to there and looks really you know ropey at times and has a lot of crawl and all this other stuff and I I like that because it adds the aesthetic and when you put it in later like things like Grindhouse and Planet Terror it doesn't really work it looks artificial. It looks like you put a filter on in After Effects, and that's pretty much what they do. Um, the grain doesn't match because it's grain from a later generation, a later thing, and it doesn't really work for me. It's I get it, and I get the idea, and it's kind of neat, but also I don't think it works. Um, it, it's a shame that the way films are made now, obviously everything's digital, very few people are shooting on film, You've got things like Jordan Peele with Nope and, you know, the few other people that actually do shoot on film anymore. And I'm not going to lament the loss of film over digital. I think digital adds a lot and I think you can make things still look good. Um, There's no reason you can't make things look good still um, by shooting on digital and you can have a certain look to these things. Um, 
I just think that there are better ways of maybe doing this stuff. Um, and I think there should be like a a healthy medium where these things kind of fit in together. I'm going on a weird little tangenty ramble here, and it's weird when I'm on my own. I haven't got some like Spencer to bounce off because it just sounds really weird and like I'm ranting at no one. But um, yeah, I just I like those sort of action films. If you look at like the rookie that he wrote, you know, um, that's that's another film that's kind of got that gritty. For as much as you know, it was a quote unquote high budget movie, um, and a high budget flop as well. It doesn't look like it's budget. It looks like an 80s movie because that's what those things look like. Um, and I want more of that. I want someone to make a proper 80s action movie. You know, like I said, Mark, Mark Goldblatt edited the Death Wish movie, the remake from Eli Roth and Bruce Willis, which I've not seen, no interest in, doesn't look very good. That won't have the same impact as the horrible Michael Winner film because that is an 80s movie and it has that grime and that filth you know that the Mark Goldblatt Punisher has and I think we've lost something going to these new slick you know well-made movies because even if you've got things like VHS 94 and all these other things where they try and make it look like you know it was filmed on SVHS or Betacam or whatever else and it never really works for me because you can tell it's a filter and you can tell it doesn't look authentic unless they actually go back and do it which some people do but I want a proper 80s set Punisher movie like Joe Carnahan was going to do Daredevil he did like real and he was like going to make it 70s set and make it like the Warriors and I love that idea I love the idea of like a gritty 70s set New York proper down to earth street level daredevil movie and then throw the punisher in that as well like i did with the netflix show i mean i like the netflix daredevil show it was great and the punisher was well used in there i just didn't get grabbed by the tv version when he had his own show it just seemed like a weird thing to do i don't know whether it's just the story didn't grab me or it didn't work as his own character i'm not sure but hey that that's where i got to with that and i really need to sort of pick it up and try and watch a bit more of it so, yeah, um, that's um, what I wanted to go into today, just the main topic. Um, you know, leave comments on YouTube, Patreon, wherever else, um, what you think about what the best Punisher movie is or where you think the Punisher should go, what Marvel should do with it now they've got the property back. Should they do another movie, make it R-rated, and we don't know what Blade's going to be yet, or Deadpool, we don't know if they're going to be R-rated, or going to be PG-13, or what they're going to be, so can they do anything with it? Um, I'm also using a new microphone for this, so apologies if the levels aren't great, or if the sound isn't great, I bought a new um, headset, um, and I'm just trying it out, it's got a better mic than the mic I was using, so hopefully it's better, um, but I won't know until I listen back to this recording. So fingers crossed it is good. Again, shout out to um, my one and only Patreon, and Patreon rather, which is fantastic that I finally got um, someone supporting me. Not that the people watching it and not paying are not supporting me. I appreciate everyone who is even just, you know, out there listening to this because you don't have to, and I really appreciate it. So shout again to SW Studio Productions on Patreon who is supporting me there. Um, this is going up early on Patreon now that I have a patron. Um, so they will get it um, a couple of days before it goes up on YouTube and onto um, Podbean and Acast and everything else. Um, I'm now apparently listed on um, Apple Podcast, which is fantastic because that took ages. They had a weird thing with um the cover art for the podcast it was too low res or some other thing they had some weird stipulations so finally it's been approved so i should be showing up in itunes now um i haven't looked i'm not an apple user um but it is approved so hopefully with the distribution um it is up there now um it's available on a few other things as well it's not on spotify yet because i don't use spotify i need to sign up for an account and because they support joe rogan that's not really something i want to do um 
I will do at some point um, because I just want to get into many places as possible. So fingers crossed. I know it's available on um, Amazon Music and a few other places. So wherever you're listening to it, thank you for listening. Um, I want to keep going on doing this and I want to make it better. Um, a few other people reached out about guest spots. I definitely want to have Spencer back on again because we talked for so long about so many things and we didn't even get into the second part of what our main topic was going to be. So we're going to save that for another episode, which is great. Um, I'm glad to, glad to see that people have um, had a fantastic reaction to it all. And yeah, thank you all for listening. Um, thank you for being a patron if you're a patron. Um, and thank you for just, yeah, being here on this journey as I rant about various things of home media. And yeah, I hope everyone has a good week and I'll talk to you next week.